0: Ren, Akshi, I
1: have a very, very, very important question for you.
0: Oh, hit me.
1: How far are you willing to go for the
0: aesthetic? (laughs) I need to question a question as old as time itself, perhaps. How far are any of us really willing to go and to push ourselves to obtain the ideal physical aesthetic? You know, whatever your aesthetic may be, how far are you willing to go for that dream, for that vision? And my answer is, like, pretty far. Like, I would do a lot (laughs) to obtain that aesthetic. Right. I would spend a lot, and I have spent a lot of money, and I will spend more money to achieve (laughs) my goals. And and you know what? My limits go beyond that of simply clothing. I'll say that. (laughs) A A lot of ears I would puncture. And also other other things like tongues and such for, for the aesthetic. There's a lot I would do for it. Wow. How, how about you, Akshi? How far are you like to go with this?
1: <laughs> that is like the most vague but terrifying response I've got to that <laughs>
0: That's what I do. It's what right. I do.
1: I, I mean, you're a really stylish person, that's for sure. Well, thanks. Queen. I think I got I to stick to the the basics i'm a little afraid oh I'm afraid we're afraid to difficult. push boundaries I feel like at the max i could go is maybe your piercings and a tattoo or such like i don't know i've been scared to dye my own hair man
0: oh that's fair that's fair yeah that's a scary process you know i haven't known my own hair color in years but <laughs> oh my <scary> god yeah. And, you know, I think it's scary for a lot of people. I think a lot of people are in that same boat, you know, like earrings, you know, like the the simple stuff, uh, a, a tattoo perhaps, or maybe not even that far. It was just a, a, a limit a lot of people have. But there is a whole like culture around body modification and all the crazy things that we humans have done throughout time to achieve the aesthetic. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. On this episode, the unfinished mind. (laughs) (laughs) You know, tell me some history. Oh, yeah.
1: So just to dive into something that I am most comfortable with, we'll get into the piercings. And there's way too many reasons why people get piercings and why they pierce their body. They can be done for religion, spirituality, aesthetics or self-expression. You know, take your pick, take your pick. And there's. So many types of piercings. You know, we've got the standard ear piercings. This is one of the most widespread and normalized piercing across cultures and millennia. This piercing originated independently all over the world. So, you know, different cultures have their own take on ear piercings. And the oldest evidence of human ear piercing is in an over 5,000-year-old mummified body named Otzi, found in Austrian in an Austrian glacier.
0: I hope I'm saying that I right. I believe it's Utzi. Utsi? Gotta get the Umlau in there. Yeah. Oh my. Okay, well. I <laughs> <laughs> could be wrong though. I think that's how you say it. Okay. I mean, that's pretty crazy. It was a
1: body found in an Austrian glacier.
0: It's a very wow. Austrian name.
1: <laughs> and ancient Egyptians are one of the oldest groups with stretched year earlobes, which we will talk about later on in this episode. And there's evidence that King Tut actually wore earrings. So, you know, he 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 knew what he was he was doing. The <laughs> <For sure. laughs> aesthetic was prominent. Julius Caesar also brought earrings into trend in ancient Rome as a primarily male accessory, which is interesting. You know, you don't think of that as the same now. It feels like if I think of a ear piercing, I don't think of it being exclusively, firstly, like for a male.
0: Does that make sense? No, it does. For a long time, I mean, the whole I didn't pierce my ears until I got like into sophomore year of college because right. I came from like a super traditional town where I thought it was too feminine. And I was like, I'm good, actually. I don't need any of that energy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and So I didn't pierce them. But then I was like, actually, I don't care. And <laughs> are fake anyway. And ear are kind of red. So, Yeah. Shout out to Julius Caesar for that. We love that. <laughs> Male nobility
1: during the Renaissance wore at least one earring to display their wealth. So it really did start off as male centric, but I'm glad, I'm glad it took, it took over everywhere. Next, we've got the nose piercings. This one is one that I find incredibly interesting. I know in a lot of Indian weddings, um, the wives end up piercing their noses. And I thought about it a bunch and I was like, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could add a third hole to my nose. It's just not a third hole to your nose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it looks so
1: cool. It looks so rad. It really does. I just don't know. It's just just so much. Yeah, man. (laughs) But to get nose piercings, the earliest documentation is around 1500 BCE. Nose piercings have been practiced in the Middle East, Africa, and Australia for thousands and thousands of years. And nose piercing practices in India are believed to originate from migration of tribes from the Middle East. So that's how the Indian started off. And Aztec and Mayan warriors had septum piercings to look threatening to enemies. I feel like septum piercings have gained
0: a lot of popularity in the past They really have. It's been like an explosion of everyone wanting a septum piercing in like the last two years or so.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The gnat is a coming of age nose piercing for many women in India. Wow. I did not know that. (laughs) And nerves, their nerves in in the left nostril are believed to be related to the female reproductive system. And a nose piercing on the left nostril is sometimes believed to ease the pain during child labor.
0: Whoa. What? I, as a fourth-year neuroscience student, have never heard that before, Um, but I was (laughs) vaccinated. to know if that's at all, like... (laughs) connected <laughs> i don't know are they on the same nerve tract it's possible beats me i don't know man i'm just a third year major, like <laughs> <laughs> so i uh, uh, neither of us know i guess that's grad school stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> find out later um, yeah. googling that tonight trying to figure out if there's any any backing to it there are other things you can pierce that are not noses and nostrils uh right. such as the lip and tongue you could pierce those things. So let's talk about them. Women in Central and South America had lip labrées that were stretched to bring attention to the lips. It's like one of those through the, through the bottom lip and up through like the, like at the chin and then up through the lip. Google labrées. It was spelled with a T labrées. Look it up. It's great. Um, and then Aztec and Mayans carved jade and gold lip labrées, um, They were seen as something to enhance sexuality and attractiveness, and they also pierced their tongues. This was part of a practice for religious and bloodletting rituals, so very interesting sort of history there. In addition to perhaps the more savory piercings, ears, nose, lips, and tongue, things that aren't too shocking to most people... There are a lot of people who are willing to go pretty far for the aesthetic uh, and pierce things like the nipple, navel or their genitals. And there's a long history of this as well. In ancient Rome, their nipple piercings were a symbol of virility, unity and dedication. And navel piercings are popular today. Uh, not so much in history, but popular today. And pop culture has had a lot of influence in this prevalence. You can think of like pop stars, like like I feel like midriff with a belly, like a navel piercing, is super popular in like the early two thousands.
1: Yeah, like maybe about dancing. dancing.
0: Yeah, yeah, just like I just feel like there was a lot of that at that time. Yeah. I could be tripping. That's <laughs> what I remember from my sordid youth. <laughs>
1: okay
0: (laughs) ancient india is known for genital piercings specifically in the penis uh which were done for sexual enhancements today we call that a prince albert so now that we've talked about piercings bit and the crazy things people can do there um we are going to dive a bit into another kind of body modification second most popular one might say uh, which is to say tattoos 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 So to get into a brief history of tattooing, the archaeologists, you know them, have found female Egyptian figurines dating back to 4000 BC uh, that provide early evidence of tattooing, as well as some mummies and burials. Uh, We also know that Polynesian cultures developed their tattoos over thousands of years, often in geometric designs. In Europe, our earliest evidence of tattooing is found at the Italian Austrian border, where a 5,200 year old mummy called the Iceman was found with tattoos. And there are also a lot of cross cultural interactions that have influenced the practice and designs of tattoos. And tattoos have been used in history as symbols of protection, designating groups, and of course, expression. So those are early tats.
1: Very cool. I, I like the whole Iceman thing, you know? Yeah, it's people, neat. People finding people frozen and things, and it's just like, wow. Yeah. You're looking nice.
0: <laughs> your, your skin is looking well-preserved. <laughs> Fascinating. I love it. Humans are so weird. So
1: apart from all the fun things that humans get up to with their tattooing, there's also a lot of cultural significance behind uh, why people get tattoos. So speaking of Egypt, it seems to be that tattooing was something that was limited to women before and around 300 BC and tattoos are thought to protect women during pregnancy and birth because of net like patterns concentrated on the stomach, thighs and breasts. That is incredibly cool. I feel like a lot of this is related to like reproduction and fertility and like birth is what I'm seeing,
0: which is fascinating. Uh, because I feel like today it's like frowned upon in mothers. Does that make sense? Like, if a mother right. has these things, people assume that they're irresponsible, yeah. So, that's crazy, very interesting, crazy cultural shift
1: 180 there for sure. Mm. And you know, we, we, there's specific names given to these arts of tattooing, and one specific type is called tamoko. This is Uh, This is what the Maori do, who are indigenous people in New Zealand, and they have body art called Moko. And these Maori tattoo artists are called Tohunga Tamoko. I'm going to pray that I pronounce that right. The Kiwi Tuhi, or skin art, refers to traditional Maori tattoos that can reflect someone's ancestry, skills, strengths, and a lot more. Tāmoko specifically is for the face and one of the more popular Maori tattoos because the head is considered to be one of the most sacred parts of your body. That's and Maori designs have the main manawa lines, which are the lines that are skin like. Um and the Maori word manawa means heart and the main course which represents the people. So these are a bunch of like words, specific words people use for different tattoo designs and different tattoo like locations on your body. Hmm. And the chorus rep then represents important people that are eventually, you know, added into your life. Aww. That's very, very cool. It's like your your body becomes a canvas for like your life experiences and interactions in a lot of ways. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> and the infill patterns also have their own unique meaning, which such as, such as achievement, courage, abundance, and more depending on the shapes of the infill. Mm-hmm. And tattooing is definitely a rite of passage that involves rituals it's a you know over time thing these tattoos represent both the skill of the tohunga tamoko and the maori culture so it's you can't you can't separate those things
0: for sure yeah and you know like at the end of the day these things are art you know there's like a huge appreciation um that clearly like these people show and continue to show Clearly a very you know deeply personal thing it's neat uh another style you can get into is the batok style uh batok is hand tapping uh which is the name for indigenous tattoos of the philippines and it was performed by all ethnic groups pre-colonialism some groups lost their tattooing traditions after colonialism so that's kind of a bummer but there you go that's the way There are many ethnic groups in the Philippines, and each has their own tattoo designs and meanings. Batok symbolized kinship, achievement, and beauty. The pain of receiving a tattoo was considered a rite of passage, for if someone could endure that pain, then they can endure pains later in life, which is kind of a pretty symbolism. I like that. The designs often had repeating geometric patterns, animals, plants, and humans that had a significance or story. Uh, one example is the visayans who were warriors that had tattoos on their faces and these these tattoo face tattoos resembled masks uh, tattoos were made using a t- tattoo needle hammered into a wooden handle that was dipped into ink and then tapped into the skin i don't know if anyone's ever seen that like process it's is really cool but it also looks super painful cuz like our modern tattoo needles can go super fast and you know like 100 times faster than your hands but this was just hands so i can't imagine how agonizing uh, i must have oh been oh my but god <laughs> yeah pretty rough um wang od oge is the only traditional batok tattoo artist from the kalinga region of the philippines who is still alive so truly a dying tradition um but a beautiful one that we should remember
1: oh wow <laughs> it's it's so crazy how there's these like Monumental skills that kind of just leave with the people, you know. Right. No, there's. It's so important, like just to understand the angle at which certain body modifications come from, because you know, while there's always the you know the angle of doing it for for pleasure for aesthetic, there's a lot that carries. It's carrying forward a lot of history, and so to get into some of the cultural body modifications, we've got lip plates the, these are perforations of the lower lip and sometimes the upper lip as well for insertion of a decorative plug or other ornament. This is something you see extremely widespread in Africa, lowland South America, Northwest North, America, North American coast, and the Inuit or Eskimos. And you have probably seen pictures of women of the Mursi and Sarah tribes of Africa whose lips were pierced and then stretched slowly over time to accommodate even larger inserts. This is also seen in Black Panther. So now you know what they are. We have, secondly, the Myanmar brass coils. This is something I really thought was gorgeous. Oh, yes. <laughs> the Padong women of Myanmar were famous for stretching their necks by means of coiled brass neck rings to a length of about 15 inches. That's about like 38 centimeters. That's pretty, pretty long. <laughs> And they kind of push down the collarbone, like the brass coils, and they compress the rib cage and pulling up about, you know, <laughs> four thoracic vertebrae into the neck. So it's this whole, like, wow, like bone
0: restructuring in some way. Yeah, that's insane. Well, it's yeah. not insane. I mean, it's like cool. I meant it in the cool way. <laughs> it's like cool, but also crazy, you know? It's awe inspiring. It is. Good stuff. (laughs) Good stuff. 10 out of 10, but also fascinating. (laughs)
1: Um, Third on the list, we have got scarring. This is typically part of an initiation ceremony for men, and it is a sign of bravery in a lot of cultures. The razor blades or burning are used to etch designs into your skin. And again, if you watch Black Panther and if you've seen Killmonger, he has such scarring on his skin.
0: Another example of this sort of traditional uh, practice is that of foot binding. So for hundreds of years, foot binding was commonly performed in China on girls, beginning between the ages of three and seven and continuing throughout their lives. All toes, but the big one, were broken and folded under. The foot was then wrapped very tightly. At the end of the process, women's feet were usually only a few inches long to please men's attraction to tiny feet. This essentially crippled women, but lasted until about the 1950s. So essentially, this this one was harmful. Some of these are uh, yeah. pretty harmful. So you got to consider that sometimes. But right. uh, Another one that's sometimes harmful is corseting. So popular among the elite in Europe and its colonies from at least the 16th century onward. And eventually, corseting did diminish in the 20th century. But it was usually used with caloric restriction, To achieve thinness of the waist, it could cause permanent damage and deleterious deformations of the rib cage and internal organs. And corset use also occasionally would result in the wearer's death uh, when waists were cinched to be as small as 12 inches. Which, hey, everyone, is an abnormal waist size and it should not be desirable. Um, Just putting that one out there. Right. Yeah. Um modern day cor- in the modern day corseting is still done but it's like in it's like safe now because the corset designs are safe it was guess- it was a matter of like safety they were just designed <laughs> yeah. with barbaric intent at the time yeah so, I was about to
1: say that the intentions changed
0: a little yeah now now they're yeah. now, now they're fine if you see people in corsets now they they're fine i promise i i've i've worn my fair share they're fine <laughs> they're okay <laughs> Uh, Another example of a body modification is ear stretching. So think of like gauges, perhaps, in the modern youth. But traditionally, these were practiced by tribes in Kenya, cultures in the Amazon basin, youth in Thailand, and also today by people in the U.S. Um, This is linked to religious practices and coming of age celebrations. Uh, The holes are adorned with various styles of jewelry that generally fit into the category of flesh plugs or flesh tunnels. Uh, Another body modification that maybe isn't quite as dramatic as most, but can be taken to an extreme, is that of tanning. So American views of suntan skin have changed dramatically over the past century. So in Victorian America, which was reflective of, of course, Victorian Europe, pale skin was the ideal. You wanted women to look consumptive everyone should look ill. That's That was in vogue. It's what you wanted. Women would wear hats and gloves and carry parasols to shield their skin from the sun. And this was an indication of affluence and indoor work and a leisurely lifestyle. In the late 20th century, though, most people were earning a living indoors, so tanned skin became a sign of affluence. A sign that one had the time and money to lounge by the pool outside, or play golf or tennis, or travel to tropical destinations. Nowadays, people use sun tanning lotions, spray tans, or tanning beds to achieve the tanned look.
1: Honestly, these
0: are some of my favorite things to watch when they've gone wrong. <laughs> oh, I love a bad tan job. Oh Nothing my! Uses me more than a bad tan job. <laughs>
1: It's like, how did you even think that was okay?
0: Because what was going on? It's like you are orange. You are actually <laughs> orange right now. <laughs> <nice> <laughs> I'm looking Come. at you, you know. If you you all have no idea what Ben and I are
1: talking about. Please search up some tanning fails. Like, you will have a good laugh, a real good laugh. Good. <laughs> so, I think it's time to shed some spotlight on a part of your body that can go through quite a bit um, in terms of modification. There's a lot of variation out here. And that is like your mouth area, You know, your mouth, your tongue, your teeth, the vibes. Mm-hmm. And starting on top of this list, we've got tongue splitting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when you cut the tongue centrally from its tip as far back as the underside base, forking the end. And honestly, I've heard this is a very painful procedure. Um, <laughs> very, very cool. I know,
0: I know Ren <laughs> is interested in this. Listen, um, I, I won't, I can't, but I think it's neat. I just think <laughs> it's neat is all. I. It's that's great. Cool. <laughs> Maybe that's my line for the aesthetic. Is probably wouldn't do that one unless I got a job in an industry where I could do that. Right, and <laughs> we'll think about it. Just never open your mouth. Like
1: yeah. it's. We'll
0: <laughs> just keep it very
1: tongue-in-cheek, but <laughs> <laughs> with that image in mind. um So, in general, as we've discussed, body modifications kind of lead to a sense of strength and empowerment of your own body and being, you know, people just like the appearance of it, the aesthetic of it, they consider it beautiful, enjoy the novelty or shock value, or it might even be seen as a rite of passage. So it's like, this is very much done for your own sense of self. Like that's how it, you know, I think most body modifications come about. And, you know, in some branches of the U S military, they ban body modifications because that, they, it detracts from a professional military image and explicitly included tongue splitting or forking as an example. So it, there's definitely contradicting
0: fields here. <laughs> yeah, lots of people seem to have opinions. Right. Crazy that oh, my. <laughs> people have opinions. Um, but another example of a perhaps disturbing um, body modification revolving near the mouth is that of tooth sharpening So there is, of course, the historical practice of manually filing the front of the teeth for spiritual reasons, as well as as a rite of passage Uh, in Bali. They believed that teeth were symbols of anger, jealousy and other negative emotions. So teeth filing was a cultural procedure that had the symbolic purpose of reducing. I guess it still does. Is this present day? Uh, Teeth filing is a cultural procedure that has the symbolic purpose to reduce evil traits such as greed, desire, and rage, which they refer to as sad Mayan cultures also would carve designs into their teeth as a way to distinguish between social classes. Um, And then today, in perhaps our weird Western society, some people just sort of turn their teeth into sharp points because they want to look like a vampire or they want to look like a shark and that's all good and well do what you want with your teeth that you only have the one set of right yep unless you do it to your little baby teeth in which case uh, in which case where are your parents (laughs) where are your parents if that's the case but but you know c'est la vie um Another one that I did just want to throw in here that's since we're moving away from sort of the mouth itself, um, is that of turning your ears into elf ears. You can like fold those, you know, like get them surgically turned into elf ears these days, which is like another really shocking one that I bet the military wouldn't like. <laughs> so throwing that one out there. I think it's neat. right. You know, like in case you want to look like an elf. Um. Yeah. You can look like
1: Edward, but elf style, just like file yeah. your teeth and get elf ears. Split
0: the tongue. Yep. Just look so straight up otherworldly. I'm into it. Do it. <laughs> great it. stuff. Cool. <laughs> it's great.
1: So as you we were moving away from the mouth area, we've, we've got a lot of skin, guys. We've got a lot of skin, a lot of surface area to work with.
0: that's a disturbing sentence you just said (laughs) in any other context we got i'm just
1: saying we've got we've got a lot to work with in the department of skin so hello bill (laughs) (laughs) let's talk a little bit about dermal implants the subdermal implants are a body modification placed under the skin allowing the body to actually heal over the implant and create a raised design. Transdermal implants are placed partially under the skin with the rest exposed. This is done through a process known as dermal punching. These types of implants are relatively new and lesser known in comparison to other implants like the breast or the posterior. And this is just some very interesting stuff. I personally would probably itch away at it
0: forever, like yeah. under I, my skin. I just I'm not real sure because they seem like you like you 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 hit your your hand which has a cool like bat in it or whatever you put, and you hit it and then it like you're gonna feel the bat. Oh my god! Around in there, like every time I think about the fact I have bones it freaks me out so like doing that on purpose I can't <laughs> fathom but also nice. but like they look cool like they look pretty <laughs> cool sometimes but yeah it's, this is that's pretty intense it's just
1: the the burden of carrying that thought you know yeah. is that I have a thing inside me that is just there I guess that's a baby but it comes out after some
0: time does this come out true well the baby. Is worse, I feel, because it would move of its own volition and just sort of be in there. Just right. like, it's like it would be like you could get it out. To answer your question, yes, you. I bet you could get it out, but you'd have to like get it surgically removed, and then right. maybe you'd miss it as your little buddy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about a little buddy under my skin, but, you know. Usually that makes me think too much of parasites and I don't like that. So I'm like itching right now. Let's move away from this quickly. (laughs) And with haste. Yes. (laughs) So, you know,
1: we've talked about a lot of. A lot of different types of modifications here, and obviously there's been. You know, there's things that you probably would not consider for yourself. And there's just stuff that you've probably never heard of before. And I think, you know, it, this is largely like not a you thing. This is like society in general has developed incredible stigma towards certain body modifications, mainly because they can't see it for themselves. So they don't really want to see it on other people either. Yeah. And just to address some of these stigmas, we've got teenagers who have faced adversity for decades for trying to express our individuality through body modifications. You know, if you've ever been in like high school and you, I don't know, dyed your hair and your teacher was like, what?
0: That's illegal. <laughs> like that.
1: Yeah. And it's like, God, I can't get a blue streak without, without being chastised. So, you know. Do it. Do <laughs> so the mainstream American viewpoint was that tattoos are considered a part of a criminal image. Or even a form of paganism, which is still very, very prevalent even today. Um, it's It's pretty sad because looking at where tattoos originated from as a sign of like strength and protection, we've kind of diminished into, you know to what it is right now. Mm-hmm. And older generations viewed people with tattoos and piercings as outcasts and people you'd want to avoid, which is really sad. A lot of employers may not even hire certain individuals on the basis of body modifications. And this is obviously based on the type of industry, but I think most of the, a lot of professional careers, um, shun and look down upon body modifications. Recently though, among the younger generation, there is a growing acceptance of body modifications. So there's definitely that little movement going on hopefully it Hopefully it takes over.
0: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. It's definitely not so much of a like death sentence to have a, you know, tattoo sleeve and eyebrow piercing these days, pretty much you can still live your life and work where you need to. And for the most part there's, you know, there's a few stragglers. Give it a couple more years. We'll be, it'll be in the clear. I'm sure. Fingers crossed. I hope. Please. (laughs) Please I don't want so many things. All right. <laughs> moving right along. Other societal stigma issues. Um, some prominent examples of perhaps cases where body modifications have been taken to the absolute extreme. The the sort of like people who get obsessed with body modifications and make it their their own career in a way. Um, some examples would include the alien dude. Um, I don't know why. I think probably colloquially, he's not known as the alien dude. Instead, he actually calls himself the black alien. And this man's actual name is Anthony Lafredo. So Anthony removed his nostrils, ears, and even a few fingers. Uh, He was insecure in his original body and wanted to modify his body to make it feel more secure, which I think is a common thing a lot of people deal with. And this guy chose to do it in a very fascinating way he has been banned from restaurants for scaring away customers because of the extent of the body modifications that he's under undergone. But, um, if you want to see a very intriguing looking individual, go ahead and look up the black alien, um, give him, give him a peek. I don't think, you know, it's a little different and our culture maybe isn't ready to accept that, but he's just living his life. It makes him comfortable. So it's cool. Another example of extreme body modification is, of course, the Ken doll guy. Uh, Everyone is not. Well, I won't say everyone, but a lot of people have certainly heard of Justin Jedlica. Jedlica? Jedlica, I think. Sorry if I've said that name wrong. But Justin spent more than $1.4 million on bodily surgeries to become more doll-like, specifically like the Ken doll uh, male accompaniment to Barbie. Uh, He's undergone over 120 cosmetic procedures, including rhinoplasty, cheek and lip augmentations, and implants in various muscles. So, a lot of modifications there. There's also definitely not cheap. (laughs) Definitely not cheap. Absolutely not cheap. I just tried to mix the word cheek and lip, and that's what happened. Um, Yep. There's also like Barbie equivalents of this. I don't have a name on me, but certainly at least three people have attempted to do the same thing for for Barbie emulation. Um, Another probably detrimental example is that of Ollie London, uh, who is an English internet personality who underwent several cosmetic procedures, not just to look like a doll or something but rather to look specifically like a member of a k-pop band bts jimin um so that that's a thing this is a white man who did this um and he's faced a lot of criticism for promoting east asian stereotypes and uh, in a very discriminatory way um and probably rightfully earned criticism that is not cool that's not cool my man not cool mr london
1: it is important to look at two sides of this body modification coin.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, wow. But uh yes. you know, overall gist, I think, you know, this is obviously these are extreme examples, not not most people. That's why they're in the news is because it's very extreme examples of body modification. Most people don't go that far for the aesthetic. No. <laughs> We've all got
1: <laughs> limits of aesthetics so you know let us know let us know on instagram or something what are your aesthetic limits
0: <laughs> what are your aesthetic how what is the farthest you would go for the vibe what is it, what is your what is your limit <laughs> um and thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the unfinished mind it's been a blast it's been a fun time we hope uh-huh. it kept you interested and we will see you next week to discuss an equally interesting topic perhaps even more interesting. I, could, okay. I was going to make a reference, but I can't remember what next week's topic is because I have the brain su- size of a pea sometimes. But you know what? You will all be surprised and so will I. We'll see you <laughs> then. I've been Ren. And I've been Akshu, And thanks for listening. We'll see so nice you next week. The Unfinished Mind is brought to you by the Polymathic Scholars. Our scriptwriters this week were Ariane Austria, Darshan Selvakumar, and Niels Levitabo. Sound designed by Jensen Richardson, Emerys Mendoza, and Belong Tang. Produced by Liz Knurk and Bill Tang. Our publicists are Claire Nevins and Audrey Holton. Hosted by Ren Smith and Akshi Pant. Thanks for listening, and remember to follow your curiosity.